Welcome to Making Shift Happen 180 Seconds at a Time. I'm Christy Breeden. And I'm Brad Smith. Christy, we're several months now into the pandemic, and our clients realize that you can't just simply lift and shift the team norms and ways of working in a virtual environment. And now they're realizing even more that it's become difficult to build trust to have that psychological safety, to have real discussions, and to have productive debate to get to decisions in in a virtual environment. We've been working a lot with clients to switch to the virtual mode, and we've learned a lot over these last several months. So we want to share some of those perspectives. What do we see some of our clients doing, Christy? Well, the first thing that they're focusing on, Brad, is ways of working. As you mentioned, a lot of our clients, we observed them at the beginning of this ordeal, kind of pretending they were still in a meeting room, all looking at a PowerPoint with maybe a few folks from other regions dialed in on the old conference call. And, you know, then going back to their offices and using email with attachments to communicate in between meetings as if nothing had ever changed. And the impact of that was a lot of virtual meetings that sort of embodied the worst of face-to-face meetings, including four to eight hour Zoom calls or two hours with teams of 20 or more just all on a call trying to talk over each other. There was just too much going on and we were all exhausted. So the four things we saw teams do to adapt those ways of working to being 100% virtual. The first one is just committing to designing meetings intentionally. Secondly, committing to facilitating those meetings robustly, as our friend and author Susan Finnerty says, facilitating the hell out of them. Thirdly, using newer collaboration platforms like Microsoft Teams to manage that white space between meetings. And then fourthly, just meeting less. We've seen and we've helped some clients kind of create some of these new norms for the new normal. Tell us a little bit about those. Sure. So, Brad, as the ways of working are really about what the team does, norms that guide how the team does their work are just as important. What we saw was the teams that had never created norms really floundered without face-to-face interaction. But even our teams that already had norms in place needed to go back and really revisit them to just meet the moment that we find ourselves in. And two themes around norms that we have helped clients with The first, so important, is inclusion. How in the world of virtual meetings do you create inclusion and ensure all voices are heard in a medium like a video conference where, by nature, sometimes the loudest voices get the airtime? So we've helped our clients, and we've role modeled this for our clients when we facilitate things like give team members a minute to collect their thoughts about a topic before you ask for comment. Using an opening round that lets everyone contribute at the beginning of meetings and a closing round again at the end. And then a simple question asking who has not been heard before you move on to the next topic and giving folks who do that internal processing space to have their voices be heard. And just an easy thing like having breakout groups. Some folks have thought that the idea of breakouts is for more of a professionally facilitated meeting. But we encourage them, even in ongoing staff meetings, a 10-minute breakout with a report out can really give your meeting a a jumpstart in terms of dialogue. And then the second theme of norms that we found to be incredibly important in this time is the norm of grace. 
just the idea that we are all working in environments that are incredibly stressful. Our lives are happening around us. And we've started to turn the corner as we move into winter, realizing that the pandemic is not an acute issue. It's a chronic issue. And so we need to remind ourselves that we're all struggling and to give each other grace. A couple ways that we have seen teams do this, give team members the option to opt out of video as needed. Zoom fatigue is real. And I try to have a Friday, no video a day myself personally. And I, I found it to be incredibly great for my mental health. And the other thing is really treating the things that normally happen in our personal environment as normal occurrences, not personal failures. So the Wi-Fi glitches because nine people are trying to stream in your house at the same time, your dog's barking because the Amazon delivery came, or your kid comes in to get a stapler in your office and there's a guest appearance on the call. Those should all be things that we can accept as just part of life today versus a personal failure to separate those things out. And then finally, just making sure that we're checking in one-on-one with colleagues, because sometimes those larger team meetings are not the place where they want to be vulnerable about their psychological overwhelm. And so making sure that we're continuing to maintain those one-on-one relationships where some of that vulnerability can be expressed and we can offer each other empathy and support. It really is a time where we can double down on the team effectiveness piece and make the most out of a difficult time and ensure that we're talking with each other and not at each other just by the way we are conducting these virtual sessions. And I would add, Brad, that these practices that we've just discussed, we hope that they extend back Mm -hmm. into the world after the pandemic. So this is an opportunity, again, to make shift happen and do some actions now that can reinforce your team dynamics and your effectiveness going forward. We have an article upcoming on this topic, so check it out. The link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, with your teams, go make shift happen. happen.